This is the Fuller Living podcast, uh, the war for the soul when it comes to narcissism and all things narcissism. Um, I'm your host, Amber Fuller. I am a, a licensed marriage and family therapist, owner of Fuller Living Counseling, uh, entrepreneur, and uh, uh, clinical director of Fuller Living Counseling. We have locations in Minnesota, Wisconsin, Florida, Washington, Montana, and I always forget one. Um, it doesn't really matter. Go to our website. Not the point of this podcast. This podcast point is to introduce um, a fun a fun announcement. Uh, and that is that since Dylan is no longer going to be a co-host, uh, I get a new one. And my new, co- my new co-host is sitting next to me. Um, this individual is somebody who has seen narcissism up close and personal and has experienced uh, what mental, emotional, and verbal abuse from a narcissist looks like on a daily basis. Their lens will provide insight in a way that most people don't um, get the opportunity to receive insight from. Um, I find it incredibly courageous and brave of this individual to (laughs) sign up to be my co-host and um, have a lot of respect for and and admiration for this individual. Um, So without further ado, uh, myself and my son Brody has decided to uh, join in with me on uh, Narcissism, the War for the Soul. Um, podcast and when I say he has a lot of insight he really does Um, I'm gonna hand the mic off to him so that he can just explain a little bit about his heart and what his hope is in being a part of uh, this podcast and uh, speaking into the topic of everything narcissism so here you are bro can talk a little bit about who you are too Talk a little bit. Talk a little bit about who I am. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, hi. My name is Brody, and of course, as you know, I am Amber's son. And uh, ever since I was born, or yeah, since I was born, I was I, I grew up in a a not so sustainable household with a father that was almost never there and I'd say hold up I gotta and since my father was never there my mom had to take care of of me almost my entire life and then when things started to get better when my dad was actually starting to to come into our life more, we started to believe in him. And as you know, he is a narcissist. And that kind of, it was, it was very, it was a very hard relationship between all of us. And what do you mean by that? What do you mean? When you say it was a hard relationship between all of us, maybe describe what you mean. What I mean by that is Trying 
trying to love uh, a narcissist, a narcissist is like trying to love a stone wall. Yeah. I call it the black hole of nothingness. It's like trying to connect to a black hole of nothingness. You will, you will always be be putting your effort into something or into loving that other and they will not they'll they'll take it but they will not give you anything in return they won't love you back yeah they may love you inside but they will not show that they love you and uh going back to our, going back to my story when my dad actually started getting better, uh, months went by that he was on this, this high trip. But then, uh, but then my mom, when, when she went to go get the spinal cord injury, wait, I signed up for it. yeah, this, the spinal, the spinal cord, uh, thing putting her back. Uh, man, why am I umming? It's hard. Yeah, um. When my dad, I mean, when my, oh my gosh, man. When my mom went into the hospital and the doctor messed it up, I think that something really just changed inside of my dad in this 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 up this upwards hill just crumbled like an earthquake started happening and the whole mountain that he built of this this good this good thing just immediately fell he went into survival mode and let's let's say that there were houses built onto that mountain and we can we can resemble that as our love for him and right right when that earthquake happened or right when that right when the mountain started to crash everything started just tumbling down the hill and breaking what i'm resembling that as is our love for him and our 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 wanting of him just immediately just disappeared because he was not loving us and he was he was in his own world but you already know that you already know the whole story but today after everything that i've gone through i think that i make a a good fit of a co-host because not only not just because i am her son but because i know what it's like to live in a household your entire life with a narcissistic parent. And I've seen it, I've felt it, and I know how to deal with it. And I know what's true and what's not true and I know how to handle it. How did you gain insight? Well, first I have I have a couple of questions. My first question is, um, 
not really a question yet, but the statement of you and I were talking this morning about um, the church. We were talking about secondary abuse and yeah. and uh, how it happens often in mm-hmm. a, in religious communities. Um, and I said, well, Brody, you can be my co-host, but I don't really feel like you're equipped to be my co-host on the next topic that I would like to, to discuss. And you surprised me and defined secondary abuse to be exactly what it is. Um, and that's not the point to this again, (laughs) again, we will get to secondary abuse at some point, but when you surprised me, I thought, yeah, you, you can do this. You, you, you can do this. Um, so I, I'm curious what, and I have no idea. I have no idea what your answer is going to be. I'm curious what makes you want to be a part of this project and podcast and mission it really it's a mission well unlike any mission or any cause you fight for or any battle you you want to win you can't do it alone and i mean that's not the only reason i i i wanted to do it but it's also if you can affect if you can affect one person's life by sharing God's word but also teaching them how to deal with narcissism that doesn't just affect their life cuz then they'll share it to others and then that it's it's like it's like sharing the gospel you plant that seed in somebody and you leave it to God to let it flourish. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what we're doing. We're putting that seed into people's hearts and showing them that what is happening is not right. Yeah. And doing that, that seed will start to produce or that, that tree will start to produce seeds. That one person that you affected will start to affect other people. And those people will affect other people. In a, yeah, in a positive way. And it's, it's, it's social media. I mean, right when you can affect one, many start to follow. I mean, it's such an easy way to share something so big. And that's what makes it so hard to do because people narcissists they know what they're doing mm-hmm. and they know that if they hear this they know what's wrong and they know what's right what what have you experienced in your life that has caused you to heal from the trauma that occurred to you or that happened to you was inflicted upon you by your by your father what things helped you heal or have helped you heal that allow for you to then speak into it for other people I would say 
definitely the first one is, is God, Jesus, and and understanding that I can't fight this this emotional battle alone. Because if I if I try to willpower it, all I will I will I will defeat myself, and I I will run under I will run to I will run out of power. And I will fall to the ground with all this pressure in my heart and on my body. I mean, that's how feelings work. Yeah. You're not just going to feel it inside. You're gonna, your body's going to start to ache. But that's, that's, not really, that's not really the topic we're talking about. But That was one of, one of the things is your faith. Your faith. What are some of the other yeah. things that, that have helped you heal from that trauma? Understanding that it's not my fault. And I know that's hard to believe. Because being with a narcissist, or being the son or daughter of one. Or the wife. Or the wife, yes. You always think that something in every problem relates to you. It could be the smallest thing, but somehow that makes you feel so bad. And you, and you, it gets to the point where you feel like it's all your problem. And when you, when you live in a household like that and you, you're always around it, it's be, it becomes the normal. And you can't see love anymore. Or what you see is love, but what others see is pain. What others see is abuse. But you don't know that because no. you've been used to it. You've been used to it going like this. Yeah. And yes, there are some that do see it, but choose to be in that relationship still. I think that that's why it's so important that... I think that's why it's so important that people speak up and say something when they see it. You know, people don't naturally think about this, this seven, eight, nine-year-old kid living in the house and what they're going through when their parent, when their dad in your situation is, is emotionally and mentally abusive. They don't think about that. Uh, and those are the things that, that I spoke about in the last episode where I said, this stuff kills people. I remember when you were so depressed. Like, I remember you experiencing such a heightened level of depression. And I think this is one of the things that, that was healing for you and was beneficial for you was going to counseling. Uh, maybe. You met with, uh, I can't remember her name, but she's pretty great. She's from Dr. Hawkins. Uh, Dr. Hawkins, a specialist in narcissism. Uh, from his office. You did EMDR with her. Maybe share a little bit about what it was like to meet with her. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I I can definitely talk about that. It was a... EMDR was definitely such a fundamental thing for my recovery from that narcissistic relationship with my father. He It had gotten to the point where, where it was... My, my thoughts were starting to be that if I died, I, I would at least have a loving father if I, if I died. 
like, just think about that. Somebody would commit suicide because somebody didn't love them. That they'd kill themselves just to have somebody love them. Just to just to feel that emotion of love. Because they never got it anywhere else. Well, that's not, that's not what I'm talking about. Okay, keep going. Sorry. I'm talking about in all. I see. It is truly saddening. Yes, it is. But that's going off topic. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what was EMDR like for you? How did EMDR help you get out of that? I remember you being in a place where you were like, I don't want to be anything like him. Yeah. And that day, that man at the Mall of America had come up to you, that, that man who... Um, I believe he was a, a very a friendly Jewish man. No, he yeah, was Jewish. No, Jewish. Yes, and he came up to you and he said, do you remember what he said? He said... You were struggling with it so bad that day and he just walked up to you and said... He was... He came up to me in the Mall of America and I was the only one that was actually dressed. Wow. That, nice. was, that, was, that was dressed in a... In a... Respectable yeah, manner, or in a, in a respectful way, and it was it was I don't know something about it was just this man took time out of his own day, out of out of his own life to talk to me. In a time where that weekend in particular, we were at the Mall of America. Because we had to get out of the house and away from your dad and what he was doing. And you were really struggling that weekend in particular with the thought of, I don't want to be anything like my dad. And that man came up to you that weekend. And I think he said, young man, I just wanted to let you know that I really have a lot of respect for you. And the way that you carry yourself. That's exactly what he said, actually. I remember that. The way you show yourself. Yeah. He said something like, you know, these younger kids here, they... They don't have respect and something along those lines. But he could tell that you were, like, really respectful and just admired you. And then that evening... You met with, oh my gosh, she totally deserves credit, and I can't remember her name. She's great. She does EMDR with kids at Marriage Recovery Center for children who have gone through narcissistic abuse. You met with her, but how did EMDR help you? EMDR helped me because I had built these super big like boundaries with everything with emotions with loving people because it had gotten to the point that if i i was convincing myself that if i loved someone i would get hurt <clears throat> that if i had joy 
I would get hurt. That if I felt anything, I would get hurt. So for, for almost a year, I could not feel anything. But here's the thing. I have to bring God into this. That's fine. God made people for a reason. That's why he gave people the knowledge of counseling for a reason. Right when I told my mom, right when I told, right when I told my mom that I was struggling with feeling emotions. Oh, I, on that like flies on sugar. I closed my eyes. And all I could think was a dark room with a light brighter than the sun in the middle. And that was God in the darkness of the world. And that was, that was changing. It was hope. Sounds like hope. It really was. And God is the only only way you will get out of a narcissistic relationship. He's the only way you will get out of any situation. Cause God isn't just gonna make you to go through life on your own. Sure, times are going to be hard. And I got, being a Christian is not easy. But it's those times that make you stronger. So in, in talking about how... Uh, God makes people for a reason and we're not meant to do life alone. How did meeting, what did your therapist do with you that helped you? How she, how she helped me? Yeah. What did she do that helped you? So the question that I had asked was, what did she do that helped you get out of that dark hole? Well, she basically... And then I said, or was it just that you had somebody to process it with? And she specialized in in kids who had a parent that was narcissistic. And a mom that was... (laughs) I don't know, lots 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 of things, but not narcissistic. She basically put it simple. She created this easy knowing of how to understand this situation. Because mm-hmm. when something bad happens in your life or something stressful, your mind just scatters. It goes everywhere. You can't think. But when you have somebody to talk to that can make that and 
make a very simple path that shows you everything but easy at the same time that's what helps me that's what helped me in therapy we call that the process of differentiation so what that means is that we learn that other people's behavior is theirs and it's a reflection of them and it's not personal to you I would say it was both talking to people and and understanding what actually happened. Do you remember telling me that you would be happier if me and your dad got a divorce? Yes, I do remember that. What was that like for you or what How did you feel when you told me that? Well, when I said that, that was at a very like a very stressful point in my life. And it was just like get rid of the problem and everything will be better. Yeah. And I'd say that I was kind of I was I was also kind of corrupted at that time where it was also just I didn't I hated him. and that's that's not good either yeah that rocks you yeah it's like trying it's like fighting back the bully you you may be hurting them but you're also hurting yourself yeah what do you get from hurting them back reassurance or is it just more pain? I think you just got more pain. And one of the things that I said to Brody is, um, we were listening to the song uh, "Joy in the Morning" by uh, Torin Wells, and I I just felt terrible. I, I felt really great and really terrible at the same time. This was a couple weeks ago, maybe last week, and I started crying and. Brody asked me why, and I said, I just, I wish I would have left sooner. I feel so bad about subjecting my children to that abuse for as long as I did. And one of the things that Brody said, because, yeah, you can say it. Well, continue what you were going to say first, and then I'll... Well, that's what I was going to say, and then I was going to say what you said, so you can say it. The thing that I said is that if she would have left sooner, I would have not had the understanding of the situation that was happening. I would not have have been at that at that safe point for that thing to happen. If she left a lot sooner, I would be in tears every day because I wouldn't be matured enough to know what was happening. I wouldn't have the understanding. And that's why everything has a reason for happening. Everything happens for a reason, but you don't know when you don't know. And that's literally in his song. That's part of his song. You don't know that you have faith until you let go of tomorrow. 
Yeah, that's even part of this song. Um, I sit here as a mom and I listen to my son talk about how he, I didn't know this, I listened to him talk about how he uh, wanted to die, basically, because he wasn't experiencing his father, his earthly father's love. And so if he died, then he would experience his heavenly father's love. And not knowing that and hearing that, it, it makes me even more upset about what I am really struggling with. Like, this is a big deal. I was there too. I was there maybe three years ago. I was, I was in a place where I felt like I didn't want to live anymore. And I, uh, yeah, I would I would sit in my closet and just cry. I would lay on the floor and I would I would cry, not wanting to not wanting to live anymore because it was that bad. And um, that's how narcissism can kill people. That's exactly how narcissism can kill people, and people do commit suicide because of narcissism. And that's why it's such a big deal. And I'm gonna try to say this in the most respectful and kind and loving way possible. That's why it's such a big deal that the church get involved. That's why it's such a big deal that when you have somebody come to you and say, hey, I'm a narcissist or I'm being abused emotionally, that you get involved to not um, not want to pick a side or not want to um, get in the middle of it. You are picking a side. You're picking the side of the abuse. When you, when you tell somebody... That you are being abused in in a relationship, or your children are being abused, or that you're being abusive. Yeah. As a church, and as as a union. And yeah, you said this this morning, and it was really good. And that's what I was gonna say, but I didn't say it. And as as a communion of people who come together in God's name. of a church what is a church is what we were talking about and you said I said a church is there is a, a church is a union of people that do the do the works of God through through him but but God is using them it's never mind. It's it's, it's it's if you're not, it's a union of people that do life together. Exactly. It's it's. And if you're not, because we are all a body of, we are all make up the body of Christ. And we're supposed to help each other, is what you said this morning. And if if a church does not do that, if a church is not there for one another, if a church is not taking care of the battered and the and the abused. The then is, the then is it a church? Is it is it a church at that point, or is it just people watching from the sidelines, saying, "Oh, we'll we'll cheer you, we'll cheer you, we'll we'll make sure you get better later. We'll cheer you on, but we won't do anything. We'll love you. The church is supposed to be there. They play a critical role. That's why God made the church." 
to be there to be there for the people that needed church the most. Not just not just for for worshiping him. That is a form of worship. Taking care of the woman who says I'm being abused and battered, that is a form of worship. But that is also <laughs> that's also secondary abuse and that's the very topic that we could probably do a full hour and a half episode on. So that's just a little taste, just a little taste of it. Um, and it's been a struggle for, I think, both Brody and I to sit and watch and uh, go through things alone, knowing that Dylan is right there saying, I'm abusive. I'm a narcissist. I'm an abusive narcissist. And being a part of a community of people that don't get involved, but that um, say that they want to hold that for each other to hold each other accountable and to be there for each other, but then not seeing that. And then as a result of that, having a mother and a son sitting in an apartment wanting to die. God, God says that if you can't preach the word of God, if you don't believe in that word that you are preaching, it is, it is like a cursed man preaching how to not be cursed hmm. to cursed people. Interesting. Is that a verse? No. Oh, something you learned in one of your classes. It's, it's good. Uh, again, it's, it's a topic that is probably an hour and a half worth of content that I'm really excited to talk about with Brody now. I didn't think he'd even know what secondary abuse is, but... Uh, and we still haven't quite defined it, but everything that we just talked about is a form of secondary abuse. So um, that's my co-host. <laughs> we, uh, we're we're uh, coming up to our destination, and uh, I'm really excited. Are you excited? Yes, <laughs> I am extremely excited. And one thing I would like to say before we, we end... This, this podcast is the lens I see the world in can help others who have the same lens as me or who, who, may, who may be, be struggling and want a better understanding of what's happening. Because from my view, that can help others in the same situation. It's a, you have a great, you're sitting at a, you're sitting in a very powerful place and I am very excited to see what, what happens with it. Um, on that note, we are where we need to be and I hope you all have a wonderful evening, day, weekend, weekday, whenever you listen to this episode. Uh, I'm excited.